for your word. I just uh, pray, Lord, as we delve in, that it would not return void, Lord, that it would speak to our hearts, change us. And, uh, and Lord, I just pray that, uh, Holy Spirit, you would uh, take the word of God and make us men and women of God, as an old friend of pastor friend used to pray. So, Lord, we just uh, yield this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, talking about Advent, and uh, I was looking at the passages that I was going to cover, and this story of uh, a, a little journey that my family took one day uh, popped up. It's going to sound weird, how does this parallel, but you'll see. So, one summer... My dad had his own electrical company and he just decided we're gonna close up shop for a weekend. We're gonna get in the car, we're gonna go, this is from, we lived in Brooklyn, New York, we're gonna head over to Hershey, Pennsylvania. So we're gonna go to Hershey Park and we're like, chocolate, woohoo. Um, this is about a three hour trip, 176 miles. And we packed for 176 miles. We didn't have any clothes, nothing. And we're coming up on the, interchange where I-95 goes south and then there's the Pennsylvania Turnpike, probably about 20 minutes away. And my dad turns to my mom and says, what do you think about going to Disney World instead? <laughs> and she's like, uh, are you serious? We don't even have clothes. We'll just buy them there. You're serious. You can imagine us in the back, our eyes are real big. We're like, is this conversation really happening? <laughs> and... Um, and then she says, okay. And so we start heading down I-95. We're all excited. We're screaming, woo, going to Disney World, woo. We've done this a couple, years, a couple times before, but it was planned. This time, it wasn't planned. And it's on average about 21 hours to get down there. So it sounded like a fantastic idea in the beginning, but probably about three or four hours in, we just start, you know, getting irritated with each other in the back. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Um, how much longer? And I'm pretty sure at this point, my parents are like, uh, I'm over this. But it's already, we're already too far in to go back. <laughs> so we literally just ended up at Disney World, and it was one of the most fantastic, memorable times of my life. And... Uh, I wish all journeys <laughs> were that exciting. Um, the journey we're going to talk about today is the journey that Israel was on as a nation. Um, sin entered the world through Adam, and, and so from there, just chaos ensued. And the people of Israel at the time were given, God was giving them leadership. He was their king, and it was set up that way. He was supposed to be the king, and they were supposed to follow him. But all the nations around them had their own kings, and so the people of Israel in their sinfulness decided, we want what they have. What God has for us is not good enough for me. I want my own thing. We want our own king. We want to say who's going to be our king. We don't want to submit to God. And so... God said, fine, if that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. But you're going to get all that comes with that. And what came with that were 
evil men who had sin in their heart. And so they would lead the people of Israel to idolatry and sin. And every time that would happen, God would rise up a nation that would take over Israel. And, you know, if you're being taken over, obviously day-to-day life of the average Israelite was difficult. On top of on top of the just the pain and the difficulty of your own personal sin and the and the problems that that presents in your interpersonal relationships, now you've got this outside nation that's suppressing you. Um, and so, and God had early on already made promises that He was going to send Messiah, and that He would relieve all of those um, the oppression. That, that sin brings. And so real quick, we'll go through um, the, the number of times or the different countries or peoples that took over Israel. First it was Egypt, if you remember. They went into Egypt because of famine and then they were there for 400 years in slavery. Then it was Assyria. Then it was Babylon. Then it was Persia. Then it was the Greeks. And then finally, Rome. So in the time of Jesus, it was Rome. Um, so each time that, they, that one of these groups would come and take over Israel, there was always a remnant of Israelites who loved God, were godly men and women, and they prayed for their people, and they prayed for God's salvation. And eventually they would repent, and God would free them. From the, from the different groups. And so the, the second group, the Assyrians, is where we, we uh, are introduced to the, the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah um, basically comes to King um, Ahaz. If you remember, King Ahaz is David's son, but he didn't love God. And he was another one who led the people astray. So the Assyrians and, and the northern kingdom took over and were oppressing them. And God sends Isaiah to speak into the life of Ahaz. And so it's in Isaiah 7 that, he said, that God says, uh, it shall not stand, it shall not come to pass, for the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the people of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you, are, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol, as high as heaven. Now, before I continue, let me explain. Ahaz is not pious. He's kind of uh, putting on a show here when he says, but Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David. That's God. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
And we're going to go over to Isaiah chapter 11, where he says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And if you'll turn over to Matthew chapter 1, do a little jumping around. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. So this is where that prophecy began, uh, that particular prophecy began, is that the Messiah would come from this line. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. And Joram, the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. So I could keep going on with all these names, but I'm going to skip over to 17. So, so all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to, to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. So if you add those up, that's 42 generations. From the time the prophecy is given, from the line of Jesse, that's when Messiah is going to come. That's 42 generations. If you average about 38 years per generation, that's over 800 years. So for 800 years, there have been several uh, conquering of Israel, lots of trouble, and they've been crying out for Messiah, and they've been waiting. Uh, and just as a side note, just something to think about, that, that genealogy right there, it's full of liars, thieves, and murderers. So Jesus, Jesus didn't come from this line of perfect people. Okay? And I think God did that, did that purposely. It's to remind us that you don't come to Jesus perfect. You don't come to Jesus righteous. He imputes righteousness to you. And so for somebody to say, well, I don't need to go to church. I'm already a good person. I do this, I do that. Well, then you don't belong in this group of people here, okay? Because if, if, God's, if God would use imperfect people, you know, what, what makes you any better? And what makes you more, um, you get what I'm saying. So, but here's the thing. So, I was looking at Luke, and I came 
on chapter 2, which I was actually just going to skip over chapter 2. Um, but then I read this amazing story of these two people. It's uh, Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 22. And then the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer sacrifice according to that what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So um, the purification process um, was 40 days for Mary. She needed to set aside and be purified. And then after that, they were going to go to Jerusalem and offer sacrifice um, for Jesus because he was the one that opened her womb. So, so that's when that would happen. When the, when the firstborn child was a male, they would go to Jerusalem and basically sanctify the, the, the child and, and offer sacrifice to God. Um, what they expected, what was expected was a lamb and a turtle dove. But if you couldn't afford a lamb, you could do two turtle doves. So we find out from the fact that they brought two, two turtle doves that they were poor. They hadn't built up enough. They were so young that they hadn't built up enough wealth. And so they, they brought two turtle doves. Um, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the, spirit into the, in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles, for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that, thoughts from, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So what, he, what he's basically saying here is Jesus coming doesn't automatically mean a Christmas tree and presents underneath. What it actually means is that God is going to reveal the true heart of man. And so we find that out 33 years later where there's... Israelites saying, crucify him, crucify him. Religious leaders that are plotting against Messiah. Okay. 
And God, and, and that's what Jesus basically does. He, he reveals what's in the heart. It says in Hebrews that the word of God is living. It's like a two-edged sword. It divides bone and marrow, and it gets to the heart. And that's what Jesus was going to do. And, it also said, and he also says to Mary that he's going to pierce your heart. Um, I, I was, I'm guessing as you're growing, as, as you have a child, uh, this is more for your moms. You're going to have to kind of back me up on this. You kind of expect and hope that your son would love you and listen to you and kind of just be your son. What would it be like for your son to be like at, at 12 years old to say, I'm about my father's business. Get out of my way. What would that do to What would that do to your spirit? And then, not to speak of seeing him crucified and slaughtered the way he was. And then, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him, all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Here's a lady that was married at about, this is the best, case, like, best assumption of how this went down. She's 20 years old, gets married. Seven years later, her husband dies. And then the rest, of, the rest of her life, she spends it in the temple, worshiping God and serving God in the temple for 83 years. So she's probably close to 100 years old, if not over 100 years old in, this, in here. And she's been waiting and praying for the consolation of Israel, just as was uh, Simeon. So, what, I mean, how does, this, how does this apply to us? We fall in two camps here today. There are those of us who've, who've never submitted, never yielded our lives to Christ. We've never accepted him as our savior. And, and that's basically who he came for. Is uh, When it says... Uh, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles for the glory to your people Israel. And so as we read all this, if you've not accepted Christ as your savior, know that that's why he came. And that's what he offers to you. And if you have accepted Christ as your savior, here's the most awesome thing that we get to think about. He's coming back. He's coming back and he's left us the, the helper, the Holy Spirit. And, and we get to be a part of what he's doing in this world. We get to share Christ. We get to share this story that we heard today with those around us. We get to pray for our families. I don't know how many, how many here have family members who don't know Christ? I'm one. And so we get, we get, we look forward to his coming, being a part of his mission. And um, 
just, I didn't use the words waiting and hope that much in this. But um, what, I w- what I would say is, is just as Simeon and Anna, they, they waited and they prayed. We need to wait on him and, and pray that God would reveal himself to our family, family members, our friends who don't know him, and that, we would, that our lives would honor him. And that, and that by waiting, we would honor him. And uh, so that's, uh, that's the message. So let me uh, pray for us. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for today. I thank you for, again, your word. Um, I thank you that even in uh, nervousness and stumbling of words that uh, uh, your word gets through. And so I just uh, thank you so much for today and for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.